Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather Podcast, Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, joined in the studio by Andy Robb, my producer, and Ken Pro, our director of audio services. And this week, it's Groundhog Day. We get to find out whether or not we have six more weeks of winter or if spring is right around the corner. It better be an early spring. I hope so. I hope so. But uh, we are going to be talking to John Griffiths. He is a handler of Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah, part of the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club, established in 1887, a member of their inner circle. Their inner circle, and he's been going to it since he was a little boy, and it was a much different occasion back then. So we are going to be talking to him about what it's like to be a handler, what it's like in Punxsutawney as the day approaches, and we also are going to talk to our own long-range meteorologist, Paul Pastelock and Max Vito, because now that we're at the halfway point of winter, we want to get their opinion. Uh, they don't use lights and they don't have cameras around. <laughs> Nothing like that. Oh, but, I thought we were going to try to get Paul to see a shadow. <laughs> we were going to see if uh, Paul could see a shadow and whether or not we're going. But we are talking to them. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Punks at Tawny Phil! Some of the sounds of last year's festivities on Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney. And I'm joined now on the phone by John Griffiths, Punxsutawney Phil's handler. Hi, John. Hello. How are you today? I am doing well. So I wanted to ask you, how did this whole idea get started? The idea of a groundhog seeing its shadow to signify winter lasting or spring coming. Where did that start? Well, it's actually a German, uh, European. We always attribute it mostly to the German tradition and they would use a hedgehog over there to see whether it was going to be an early spring or the winter would last six weeks longer. When it was brought to the United States, obviously we didn't have hedgehogs here, so they had to choose another hibernating animal, and I, I'm just thankful they didn't choose a black bear, because <laughs> that would be a little tough for me to handle. But uh, They could have in Pennsylvania. <laughs> they could have, yep. How many years has this been going on? Kind of What's the history of when the event got started? I mean, there's records of farmers going out and you know making reference to groundhogs coming out but the first actual organized event was about 1886 so this will be our 133rd year you said that farmers would go out and just kind of see do you have any idea why they why it was if he saw his shadow was the thing that meant six more weeks of winter because I would think I'm not sure but if you think about it like a day like today very cool day but the sun's shining out there so usually when you have the coldest days of the year it's because there's no cloud cover over over here the sun shines through but the air is not warm enough to uh, heat things up so that's our theory on it tell me about preparing for the event what is it like in the days prior there in Punxsutawney Especially this year, because it falls on a weekend, it is very hectic. And we tried it. We do a lot of appearances just to build the energy up for Groundhog Day. So for us, our executive director, Katie Donald, who we'd be lost without, fields phone calls. And anything that we're able to do, we do. Uh, let's see. We were just down in Pittsburgh over the weekend for the launch of a. We have a tie-in with a distillery down there that makes Phil Shadow whiskey. Oh, that's uh, cool. <laughs> Wiggle whiskey in in Pittsburgh, and every day is scheduled. We make appearances at our local schools at some of the uh, nursing facilities uh, around here. Every hour is full. Do you do you know what the farthest is that you've traveled for like any kind of publicity events? 
because Phil's a wild animal taking him across state lines, we have to get special permits from every state that we cross through. So it's kind of a pain, but we have, we've been to Indianapolis a few years ago. We did the uh, Sweet 16 with Dick Battelle. Uh, Phil picked against him. And we've been to New York City. We did the coin toss for the Puppy Bowl. Oh, Um, that's adorable. (laughs) Years back, Phil visited with President Reagan. He's been on the Oprah Winfrey show. So he's he's pretty well traveled. Let's listen to part of that episode with Oprah. When they initially were doing Groundhog Day. Let me just ask you this. Is Phil drugged or does he always look like that? No, Phil is not drugged. Phil, okay. Phil loves the cameras, okay? Oh, yes, okay. Okay, he thinks he's performing. Okay. But no, back... Wait, <laughs> not not That's great. Now, do you guys get to travel like that often? Most of what we do is around here because we're all volunteers. Most of us have day jobs, but there are 15 of us, so usually we can get enough guys together to, to be able to go to some of these different events. Right, somebody can go to it. Describe to me what Punxsutawney's like on the day of because your population explodes right yeah we go from a town of oh either slightly under or slightly over depending on who you ask six thousand people to uh potentially forty thousand people now what's bad for punksy but good for the surrounding area we have only a handful of places not even a handful of places for people to stay so if you're planning on coming to punksy on groundhog day and finding a hotel room or something like that forget it unless you book it a year or two in advance how does phil prepare because i mean he looks he looks fantastic so <laughs> i picture him like you know like rocky maybe before the big fight chugging eggs <laughs> raw eggs like what does phil do to look and stay in such great shape <laughs> uh boy i don't know which who you're looking at if you held him for about 10 minutes you would know he's not uh, he's not in good shape. he's he's fat and he's heavy so no he does what he does best this time of year uh what most groundhogs do is just rest sleep and now he and his wife phyllis who live in our local zoo off of our library in our civic center don't go into full hibernation because we kind of first of all it's climate controlled which isn't really the big factor. The big factor is the length of the days. When the days start shortening, the uh, groundhog in the wild will know it's it's time to prepare for hibernation. But we have a light that kind of, I, I always use the word trick, but that has a bad connotation to it. But it, it makes them think that the days are a little bit longer. So they don't go into full hibernation, but he slows down quite a bit. They'll go from eating ravenously in the summer. You can't even get the dish set down before they're eating. And to, uh, you know, maybe every couple of days you'll have to fill the food dish. Oh, okay. Well, he sounds a little bit like me in the in the wintertime. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I, I mean, I if I could get away with it, it's a, it's a great life. If I could get away with it, that's what I'd be doing. If I didn't have to show up to work, that, that would be great. <laughs> so, um, well, he looks young. How about we put it that way? He looks very young. So how well, does he stay? Well, that's attributed so... to the elixir of life. So. Oh, tell me about the elixir of life. Well, every September, we have our, our annual picnic. And at that picnic, Phil is given the elixir of life which for each sip he takes, it extends his life another seven years. So he had four last year, so he added on 28 years just last year. Oh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> it does not work on humans, though, I can tell oh, you that. Doesn't it? And I can't give out the recipe. I'll give you one. There's a block of ice from Antarctica involved, but it by the time it gets to us, it's a nice cube. So um, Really? 
Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a block of ice from Antarctica that is sent for Phil to drink in his elixir. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's one uh, of the ingredients, but that's all I can give out. Okay. Well, how old is Phil? Well, he's at least 133, and we don't know for sure. I assume he was a year or two old before he came to the original members of the club. Obviously, was alive when we had the first Groundhog Day, so... He's at least that. Now, Phyllis, on the other hand, does not receive, there have been many Phyllises. She does not (laughs) receive the elixir of life, so she will eventually pass and we'll find a new, and I tell them it's just You have to find a groundhog named Phyllis. Right. That's that's it. Exactly. (laughs) That's the only prerequisite. Yep. Uh, So tell me about being a handler in the inner circle. Is it kind of like royalty? I mean, does it get passed down? Oh, I'm telling you, it's glamorous. <laughs> well, I mean, it's obviously no, you, formal. You, You've got the top hats, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, we uh, we all dress alike, so that's part of it. Basically, to become a handler, everybody in the club has an IQ of about 60. So if <laughs> so you were there's lower a than, whoever has the lowest <laughs> IQ gets to be handler is what, okay. basically how it happens. <laughs> now, um, I love telling the story. I was actually tricked into it. We were at a meeting years back i've been doing this uh handling since about 2006 we were at a meeting and our president at the time asked if somebody would help the handler at the time and it was right before a meeting and you could have heard a pin drop (laughs) well i sat there the whole meeting and bleeding heart that i am i felt guilty so i went up afterwards and i said if there's anything i can do to help let me know and i'll Oh hell! Well, <laughs> I was anointed right there as a handler. <laughs> Thankfully, at that point, that was when we went from one handler to two handlers. Cause Phil because Phil keeps getting heavier. <laughs> with well, all that's stuff that's one of the reasons. No, the the biggest reason was when the movie hit, it exploded Groundhog Day for us, and the requests for appearances and the different things that we ended up taking on required more than one person to do it so i did get a little reprieve there but it was it's still pretty arduous for for the other handler and i right now so so what are your duties i know you said uh, you do some appearances you, you speaking know, the... of duties i get to clean his up uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's one of uh <laughs> that's one of the things now basically 365 days a year we're charged with his care he and phyllis we also have a couple other groundhogs that, you know, we've become the home for wayward groundhogs over the years. Now, tell me about, you said about the movie, it exploded after the movie. So give me an example of, like, numbers of people that would show up before the movie and then after it came out. Well, if you had 500, 600 people here, it had been growing over the years. But still, if you had 500 people at Gobbler's Knob, 600 maybe, that was, we considered that a big crowd. I remember the days when I was I was about nine years old and walked up through the woods from my house. There were 30 people there, and it was about a 15-minute thing where they went in, he did his prognostication, and everybody went back down to have a cup of coffee and then went to their jobs. I walked back down through the woods to my house. Once the movie hit, it took it into a whole new realm for us. So what's your most famous visitor? I mean, we've had Bill Murray there a lot of people from the movie, Danny Rubin, who wrote it, Stephen Tobolowski has been here. Unless it's a special guest that comes to speak at our banquet, we usually try to keep the uh, the knob pure up there as much as we can. 
What is the worst weather that you remember ever having while you were up there? Because it can get really cold, oh, it, and it can it, get really miserable. We had miserable a minus eight one year. That was brutal. We've had everything you could imagine. And actually, one of the other most miserable times, it was probably 33 degrees, but it rained constantly. Because that just soaks you to the bone. And, and then you can't uh, get warm. If it's bitterly cold, you can't stand to be outside. In it. Well, I don't know how some people do it. Yeah, because they'll be out there for hours waiting. Yeah. And so of they're they're packed in like sardines, so maybe they're getting body heat from each other. I don't know. Oh, that's true. So that's how it's different from the old days, at least. You've got all these people packed together. And do you guys right. have any special like do you have any special places to warm up? Like do they heat anything up there by the stage? Yeah, we have a warming tent. Our building is open if so yeah, there are opportunities, but you would be amazed. I'll walk up to somebody and they'll be shivering and they'll say I'll say, Aren't you cold? There's a warming tent up there if you'd like to go. I don't want to lose my spot. So, you know, okay, stand there and freeze then. <laughs> They're serious about it. Now, do you all understand ground augies? No, that's just reserved for the president who, and he can't even, unless he has his acacia wood cane, which has been passed on for generations also. Tell me about the cane, because I've never heard of that. It's made of acacia wood. It's been uh, passed on from president to president to president gives each president the ability whoever holds it will be able to now he can't talk to phil obviously but he can interpret eye movements uh clicks whistles any any noises that phil makes oh okay so now here's the other thing is the president elected or is the president like a monarchy that it's passed down well it's like anything (laughs) else you're you're put into the position and you can never escape unless, <laughs> unless you die one of the uh, <laughs> die or just leave the country one of the two it's more you can't escape that's great <laughs> so i have a question do you have an inside track for us do you know anything about what phil's prediction might be or is there something that maybe no one else knows that you're telling us here on the accuweather podcast this is we could ask this all the, all the time we prepare two scrolls and it depends on what he tells bill when he comes out of the the stump up there nobody in the club knows at the time until he comes out and that's the truth (laughs) i never i have never known what he's gonna call for now his track record is mostly six more weeks of winter but uh you never know yeah well thank you so much this has been a really fun conversation Well, it's my pleasure. Okay, you have a great day. Thank you, you too. And be sure to check out our live coverage on the AccuWeather Network of Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney. It's on Verizon Fios Channel 619 and DirecTV Channel 361. And for more information about Groundhog Day, the Inner Circle, and the Groundhog Club, check out the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club at groundhog.org. But we go from one prognosticator, (laughs) we go from Punxsutawney Phil to Max Vito and Paul Pastelag, who are joining me in the studio, because (laughs) I figure, do you you see your shadow? Does that indicate to you anything about whether or not there's going to be six more weeks? that five o'clock shadow going on all the time. (laughs) Don't have much of that. (laughs) Well, hey, I wanted to bring you guys in because I wanted to talk about the winter forecast, where we're at right now with it, and I'm hoping... You guys give me some indication that maybe spring is right around the corner. I'm going to start off here because I think our September forecast for the winter season has been really on. So one of the things we were keying on in September was the potential for an early winter, uh, late December, early January polar vortex split. 
and, and that's something that happened. And once those happens, you can anticipate uh, colder weather usually arriving a couple weeks down the line, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now across the uh, central and eastern part of the country, and it's, it's really locking in this week. Right. And now how long how long can we expect this kind of cold pattern to stick around? Super cold. I mean, this week that we're recording this, oh, my gosh, absolutely miserable with the polar vortex. I don't know if it's a definite 100 percent guaranteed, but this probably will be the coldest air mass that we see this winter season coming down. I mean, talking about temperatures um, that are going to be 40 to 45 degrees below normal on a couple of days. That's pretty impressive in Wisconsin, Illinois. But the thing is, is that. And that's temperatures. That's, that's not temp- wind chills. No, no, no. That's the temperature departures from normal, just to give you an indication. Because it typically is cold in Wisconsin. In right, this yeah. Time of the year. Mm-hmm. But just to give you an idea that it can be that much colder than norm is impressive. But the thing is, is that a lot of polar vortex splits that we're seeing happen that happened. Describe uh, that polar vortex right. split, just well, to explain that for me. And also, if I could just jump in real quick, for those of us that don't know, what exactly is the polar vortex? Well, let's, let's start out with that. The polar vortex, uh, it's, it's always there. It intensifies during the cold season. You know, the sun angle lowers in the northern hemisphere. Uh, the air mass gets very, very cold underneath these upper level lows that develop over the polar region. Now, when the polar vortex is very strong, the westerly winds that go counterclockwise around the upper level low uh, contain the cold. doesn't allow it to break off. You know what it reminds me of? Is it kind of like an ice skater? And they always say for an ice skater to tighten up when they're doing a spin, mm-hmm. tighten up their arms so that they can spin faster and more consolidated focus. Exactly. Is it like that? Yes. They, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like a top. When you spin, yeah. it's going around, just stays in that same area. But when it starts to wobble, you start to see... Right. Variation starts to change direction, starts to move, and it's the same thing. And the thing about it is, is that these vortexes can get disrupted. Now, it's not set in stone that this automatically happens when the polar vortex gets a disruption. It's very complicated. Other things are factored in, time of the year too, as well when it happens. So you can get different results, like this one that we've had right now. But we see this intense warming that can take place. At the upper levels of the, we're talking the stratospheric level, uh, intense warming that will disrupt the polar vortex and allow that cold that's kind of bottled up to escape from the polar region. Oh, interesting. So intense warming mm-hmm. in, in the, the stratosphere. Like a 40, 50 degree jump poles. in temperatures in a short period of time can do it. Now, is that kind of related to global warming or changes in the global temperature in general? There's some research that's been involved that could help to enhance the results and impacts of polar vortex. Also, the water temperatures, you know, not only around the pole, but where this air comes from, it actually originates over the tropics, and it's polar-bound to help with the disruption. So, you know, Indian Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, whatever, uh, if the oceans are running warmer than normal because of climate change, uh, that could have an effect as well, too. So you have that convective si- or you have that cycle where then that's rising, rising up over the upper levels, uh, highest levels. And it's then, a transport. Of, yeah, uh, it's a transport. Heat. Exactly. So You get a trickle-down effect once these occur in, you know, as Paul said, the stratosphere, tens of thousands of feet above um, the surface. It trickles down a couple of weeks to the lower levels and leads to uh, more high-pressure Uh, warmer air masses over the poles and that uh, weakened uh, circulation pattern 
around the poles leads to a wavier pattern, more dips and rises in the jet stream. And when you're under one of those dips in the jet streams, you can get a direct discharge of Arctic air. And that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing this week uh, in the eastern, uh, central and eastern United States. But they don't always go in the same direction. I mean, we've seen a split. And we call, I've been calling in my blogs, sister polar vortex, because there's two sisters. One hit Europe with very heavy snow and stormy weather and cold weather. And the other one took its time, but it finally got down here. And there's a huge lag. I mean, this started like in uh, around Christmas time, mm-hmm. the process. And mm-hmm. here we are seeing the impacts you know, late in January. So um, it took a while for it to happen. And what's different about this, a lot of times they... When they split like that, it takes a long time for them to get back together to get over the polar region to get everything back to equilibrium again. This one seems to be coming in and getting out of here pretty quickly, so it's not a long-lived, uh, you know, polar disruption that we're seeing right now for us. So it is kind of like what I'm saying with that ice skater, where it, mm-hmm. like now yeah. it's going to tighten up. It's it, the arms are out. There's a couple yep. splits where it's broken off and the cold's coming down, but it's going to pull together, tighten up, and and start to consolidate once again, I, you think? I, I, th- I think it can, but I don't know if it'll be the same strength. Oh, okay. So we'll come back to a I little I think it's going to remain in that weakened state, okay. likely yeah. through most of uh, February and even to parts of March. I think we could have some, some lingering uh, cold coming down every once in a while. Right. Pretty Arctic in nature, but likely not what we're seeing this week. That's the vulnerability. If it stays weak, then it's easier for some of that cold to escape again. The problem is you get later into the season, you go through seasonal changes, so the cold is a different type of cold. It's not as intense. Mm-hmm. It's, mo- it's modified. It's, it's modified by the mm-hmm. time it gets down. But it still uh, could be impressive. we got to watch late February and early March. We still think it can be active. So uh, a little glimpse ahead, you think, maybe uh, the six more weeks of winter. It might be six-plus more weeks of winter. As long as I keep getting a 5 o'clock shadow, <laughs> I think we're still going to see six weeks <laughs> of winter. We, what do you think? Shine, shine I mean, a light on Paul here and see if he scares himself. I mean, we get a break. <laughs> and we yeah. are going to get a break. I mean, right, Max? We, we, we see a break coming. The, uh, early February, a little bit of reprieve, um, a little more air from the south coming up um, eastern two-thirds of the country. It, it still looks like there's going to be cold in the pattern heading into late February and even the middle of March. And I think there's going to be some potential for some storms with that as well it could be pretty active yeah um with yeah because we'll get that s- southerly yeah. flow but then we end up with storms well right. we talked about this in another one i think you get arctic air it, it can be very dry so it kind of prohibits mm-hmm. your big time storms trying to come up i mean you can get some snow and light stuff um if it relaxes the arctic air then you know you still got some cold available you can get some big storms out of that so the opportunity is still there okay and, and to answer your question about six more weeks of winter because uh, that's what I'm sure everyone's wondering about. Last year, this vortex split, uh, this disruption occurred in the middle parts of February, and that's what led to that cold air being so relevant uh, in March and April. April, uh, too. Oh, I mean, bad. there was temperatures that are 5 to 10 degrees below normal for the month in April last yeah, year right. across the upper Midwest. This year looks different because of the timing of the vortex disruption. It was in the beginning parts of January. We're thinking that the cold probably lingers to the middle part of March, so about six weeks from Groundhog Day. But after that, we could get some more warm-ups. Uh, oh! Uh, uh, more, yeah, more bouts of warmer weather. Yeah. Um, definitely a, a faster transition, I think, than last year. Which is great for the farmers. Um, yes. Because they had a tough time getting things uh, going right. last year in April. Really, so. outdoor projects. I know the rain put off a lot of outdoor projects in the summer and fall. 
this year uh, people could get get on that a little earlier. Uh, I st- still got the pool out though because <laughs> May got hot. Remember May got really yeah, hot. Yeah, right. Flipped. We had no spring last year. No, we didn't. No and then spring. we went to tropical downpours. It was just yeah. the weirdest year. It so was. so I'm I'm excited to see my neighbors again. Haven't seen them. I you know so at least maybe in six seven weeks I might see them outside so who knows <laughs> come think of it it's been the same at my place I too. know nobody sees each nobody other comes out <laughs> like hope they're all okay <laughs> everybody can come out and join hands this spring because <laughs> right. we're expecting it to turn around better yay i'm so excited well That's thanks so much guys i appreciate you guys talking to me anytime Regina. so now you have everything you need to know about winter weather when it's going to end we've pretty much answered all those questions in this podcast <laughs> i'm kind of excited though it sounds like uh you know winter's not going to last forever it does it sounds at least by talking to Max and Paul that maybe <laughs> it ends a little bit sooner, at least than last year's, which ran on forever. But we also want to remind you, if you're listening to this episode, for example, maybe on YouTube or on our website, that you want to make sure that you can get us on the go on your phone. Yeah, you don't want to miss an episode. Yeah, I. no one wants to do that, right? That would be tragic for most people. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what you can do is you can... <laughs> What Regina is trying to say here is subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Yeah, your podcast player on your phone. So (laughs) that was what I was trying to say before the wheels fell off. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.